Welcome to the Parsha Perspective. Each week, we will delve deep in a weekly Torah portion to find a practical and insightful way to enhance your daily life. Thank you for tuning in. My name is Rabbi Shalom Yimini, and each week we'll look into the weekly Torah portion to find practical and insightful ways to enhance your daily life. This week's Parsha Perspective is in memory of Shlomo ben Edward and Edward ben Ephraim. May their souls be uplifted and may their memories be a blessing. This week's Parsha Perspective is in honor of the complete and speedy recovery of Shu'u ben Brita, Sasson ben Sal ben Batia, and Yerachmiel Daniel ben Tova Basha. May all those who need a speedy and complete recovery have a complete refuah shleima. This week's Torah portion is Parsha's Baha'u'llah. Our Parsha begins with Hashem telling Moshe that part of Aaron, the high priest's job, is to light the menorah each day in the Mishkan. Hashem then gave Moshe the process of purification that the tribe of Levi had to go through before working in the Mishkan. They needed to shave all their hair off their body, be sprinkled with the ashes of the Paraduma, the red heifer, and bring two special sacrifices. On the first anniversary of Yitzhak Mitzrayim, the exodus from Egypt, the Jewish nation brought the first Pesach sacrifice in commemoration. However, some Jews were ritually impure from carrying the bones of Yosef Atzadik, who Moshe Rabbeinu took out when they left Egypt, and therefore they were not allowed to participate in the Pesach sacrifice, the Korban Pesach. So they went to Moshe and asked, Lama Negara, why should we lose out from bringing this special sacrifice? And Moshe turned to God, who responded that they are correct, and they should bring the Korban Pesach one month later on Pesach Shein. However, a question comes to mind. The first Rashi at the beginning of our parsha writes why the mitzvah of lighting the menorah was commanded immediately following the sacrifices given by the tribal leaders at the end of last week's Torah portion. He explains that Aaron was unhappy and distressed when he saw all but his tribe offering sacrifices in honor of the dedication of the Mishkan. But why would Aaron feel down and depressed if he already knew that only his family, the Kohanim, would serve in the Mishkan? Why did the sacrifices of the tribal leaders affect him so profoundly that God responded with the commandment of repeating the mitzvah of lighting the menorah? The Yerachim HaKadosh, Rav Chaim Ibn Attar, a well-known Moroccan Kabbalist, answers that Aaron felt down and depressed because Moshe was performing all the services of the Mishkan. As we learn in Parshas Truma, that Moshe did all the work and rituals for 12 days during the Mishkan's inauguration and during which every single day a different tribe would offer a special sacrifice in honor of the Mishkan's initiation. Consequently, Aaron felt sad and depressed because nor he or his tribe offered any sacrifice as of yet in the Mishkan. So God commanded Moshe to remind his brother that only Kohanim were allowed to work in the Mishkan from the 13th day of its inauguration and onward, and Aaron specifically had an exclusive job. He was to prepare and light the menorah every day in the Mishkan. However, the Rabbeinu B'chai, Rav Bachya ben Usher, a famous Spanish commentary, gives a deeper and more profound explanation. He explains that Aaron was not sad or depressed, heaven forbid. Instead, he was envious of the other tribal leaders. But he was not jealous and envious of the fact that they offered sacrifices, their karbanis, and he and his tribe, Sheva Levi, did not. On the contrary, Aaron was envious of their passion and enthusiasm with which they offered their karbanis, with which they offered their sacrifices with. He was jealous of their excitement to help dedicate and desire to dedicate the Mishkan, God's sanctuary in this world. The Rabbeinu B'chai continues that Aaron's envy of the tribal leaders helped him and encouraged him to serve God in a deeper manner. For the Rabbeinu B'chai compares jealousy to ego, that any more than a small amount can be deadly and lethal both spiritually and physically. 
However, a small portion of each can be beneficial and valuable in your service to God. As the Gemara in Saita writes that a small ego can instill confidence in a person to inspire, engage, and lift others around him. Similarly, the Talmud of Babasra writes that a minor amount of jealousy shows a person who lacks direction, a method on how to achieve what they want in their life, to follow the behavior of those they deem successful to help them improve and find their way. In our daily life, it is imperative that we understand that if you are jealous and envious of others, it will paralyze and stunt your growth. For jealousy urges you and forces you to define yourself by other people's expectations and not by who you truly are. And this is both detrimental and harmful to your growth as it leads you on a path that is not your own. However, aspiring to grow and achieve like someone else has can give you the motivation and the necessary drive to begin your journey to propel you to focus and concentrate on finding your uniqueness and your special purpose in this world. There's an amazing quote that I once heard, your biggest competition is the person staring back at you from the mirror. Have a great weekend and good Shabbos. Thank you for tuning in to The Partial Perspective. Check out our website, thepartialperspective.com. Send thoughts and comments to the partial perspective at gmail.com. Till next time, thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.